I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Shane Oliver Experience. I have with us today Carl May or Carl Michael May. You've even got your middle name in there as well. I just yeah. pretty sure I remember that off Facebook anyway. Yeah, so. it's pretty much just a Facebook thing. <laughs> so how are you, man? You play in the Gastons. Yep. Right on. Um, and you also do uh, Meth Teeth as well, which is another... Um, project that you've got going for yourself at the moment yep um just right off the bat what genre is meth teeth uh genre wise it's punk metal oriented um it's fairly extreme like it's the it, it's my more extreme baby um yeah lets me do a lot of uh black metal tr- trimming and and um abrasive screaming yeah, you like to throw in things differently with it. Yeah, basically, I'm a child of the '90s, so like, you know, genre-wise, I I don't really have a, a you know a home. I I grew up with too much wild stuff on like tape trading, you know, back in the day to to have a a, a first love, you know, music-wise. Uh, okay, yeah, I, I get what you mean there. Yeah, so why don't we off the bat now? Um, get to know a little bit more about you as well and how and and you know how it all started for you as well so when did you first get yourself involved in music um i was a teenager and i was doing like musical theater i did ballet and and song and dance okay um but i was using you know pantera's great southern trend kill to warm myself up for ballet exams and really yeah you know i put on that that opening scream that that one it's a that's a good one isn't it yeah you know a lot of people don't realize they don't look into the credits but that's not phil anselmo that's um who's it from uh anal cunt really yeah that's uh seth putnam and again as well that's another band that have their own sort of genre as well absolutely shouldn't have discovered at 16 years of age no no that not that's not the one you need a couple more years of development of the brain i think before you get involved and i I fell in with a friend who um he was super into grindcore and black metal and tape trading and um and used to you know write to all of the um the right directly to all of the bands trying to to buy merchandise you know back in the day when that's how you had to do it i remember him actually buying um anal cunt merchandise and being sent a t-shirt with the sleeves ripped off but the, the sleeves were also in the package and there was a nice little note handwritten by seth putnam just like apologizing for ripping the sleeves off in the name of satanic fury but saying he <laughs> packaged them with the the shirt just to make sure he got his full purchase i swear they <laughs> some of those guys just get into that that genre just so they can be a destructive dickhead yep. sometimes yeah, and that feeling. you know just doing weird stupid shit and just being like it's all in the name of satan yeah. like come on you're not really helping you know people whinge a lot about you know get, getting religion too tight into stuff and yep. getting that forced down your throat and then you come across these guys that are like 
Satan, rip shirts, yeah. I'll throw shit at you. Like, literal shit. Like, come on. Like, I mean, Gigi Allen's not black metal stuff, but yeah. he was I also... I don't know how seriously they took it, and I don't know how seriously you're supposed to take it. Yeah. And if you can kind of find that equilibrium with it, then you, you, you find some really entertaining stuff. Yeah, yeah. You need. I think you definitely need to be a little bit older yeah. uh, to experience what they're actually doing rather than at a very impressionable age yep. uh, to hear that sort of thing. Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I had a really eclectic like, upbringing musically. I it was like I was right there for uh, I was you near know, eight years old. And my older brother was doing tape trading, so I was getting tapes with you know Body Count on one side, you know Nirvana on the other side. Um, I got tapes with you know one side of it would be all hip hop, and one in particular had uh, just what sounded like a satanic ritual. It took us years to find out that it actually was a satanic ritual. It was a recording of uh, Anton LaVey's uh, son's baptism. And this yeah, was right. like our study music as teenagers. Oh, yeah. You, you go digging with a lot of this stuff and you yep. do just uncover some weird shit. Yeah, one side would be body count and the other side would be a legitimate you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, satanic and, ritual. And it was ridiculous. Body count weren't uh, immune as well to cop and shit, but I mean, that was a completely different uh, kind of shit that they were getting cop, yep. you know, copped for, uh, literally about cops. Um, uh, but I think that's just how body count have always been. Yep. But in saying that too as well, like you, you're doing meth, but then you're also, you've just started uh, playing for the Gastons. Is it the Gastons or the Gastons? Gastons? The, the Gastons, yeah. Gastons, okay. Yep. The Gastons is when you're feeling saucy. <laughs> After you've had a couple while yep. playing, yeah. Um, so a, a very interesting contrast of, um, I wouldn't say like views, but kind of like sounds and, yeah. and even names as well of the song. Well, I don't know too many songs from meth teeth but even just the name itself kind of spruce on very outlandish out there going sort of yeah, views it's a, it's a violent name as opposed to the gastons which is kind of you know uh it, it leaves it up to your imagination a little bit there's a few obvious exactly um, uh, your points of reference for it but nothing nothing particularly aggressive about it yeah exactly um and i yeah i've heard some of the gaston stuff before as well and it's yeah. got that very like punk rock feel to it yeah storyteller um, punk rock yeah the, yeah the same sort of uh billy the singer has a, a really strong uh lyrical sensibility um so when he writes i was you know um i always find he I feel like he's trying to do something akin to um, Springsteen in the way he writes stories. You know, he's not just trying to write a punk rock anthem for people to bounce and drink to. Yeah. Uh, he's really trying to, to give you an allegory to, to cling to. And so dig a little deeper into some of the Gaston's lyrics. I take mm. no credit for them myself. Yep. Um, but they're, you know, clever beyond what the music kind of, you know, implies. Yeah. Like, like hidden little gems. Yeah. Like, so I really love working with Billy in the way he writes. Yeah. yeah. So you you were a manager before you started playing with the Gastons yep. for them. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. So how how did coming about playing for them happen? Um, basically, we had a sudden lineup change. Uh, we had a guitarist who, you know, family commitments and, and 10 years of history, um, you know, l- led him to dropping out of the band directly after a big festival appearance. And we had a lot of shows booked coming up. So just as a matter of practicality rather than you know, push any of those shows uh, off. Uh, it was faster for me to just learn all the songs on bass. Yeah. You know, suddenly quickly learn how to play bass. Yeah. Um, and jump on shows within. It was actually only a few weeks that I had, so the first few shows weren't great. Um, Getting yourself in the groove of it all, though, on short notice, I'm, yeah. I'm sure, can be a bit of a 
a bit of a challenge. To yeah, begin learning, with. learning a whole set in a, in a couple of weeks to play it live for a volley of shows, not just one. Mm. Um, a couple of fairly big shows within that, so uh, it was a bit of pressure. But that said, the guys I've known them for years. They're they're lovely dudes. They're just mm. really lovely guys. So there wasn't a lot of internal pressure. It was just. Yep. Trying to get it done, trying to make sure that I didn't embarrass my mates on stage, you know. Yeah, that's fair. And I was that, that was going to be my next thing as well. Was you know how how did the the guys take it take to you coming in and like what was the the general fan reaction as well? Like um, was there much or? Oh, look, initially they re- were really happy that I was able to step in because I already knew a lot of the songs, you know, from managing them, playing them, uh, playing, like, putting them on shows, watching them. I think it was twenty times in the in the you know year prior. Yep. Um, so being able to sort of step in, not so much as an outsider, you know, kept the momentum up, kept the enthusiasm up, made, made it not feel so much like a, um, you know, an awkward new beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So that kind of helped us just get rolling, I think, a little bit. And the guys, you know, um, seemed to, to appreciate that, that it was that simple. But I, what fan base we have uh, were, you know, curious, but seemed happy enough. Like they... they um, the band have been floating around the Redcliffe scene for a long time, so a lot of their sort of local uh, fans uh, were already reasonably familiar with the, the band as people as well. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a big leap for them to to um, you know bring in a new uh, a new member of the family who'd already been kind of floating around with them for a while. Right. Yeah. No. That that sounds perfectly feasible as well for the yeah. whole situation. And like, so the 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 Gastons they're based in Redcliffe. Is that yeah, mostly, yeah. Yeah, okay. Does, does that make it interesting to try and get as many shows? Like, because it's out, like, it's not a massive drive or anything, but it's not, like, central to where you are getting most of your shows. Does that become a bit of, a, like, an annoyance, maybe? Uh, um, I mean, I can't really speak for um, Billy and Lockie, uh, who actually oh, live in Redcliffe. Okay. Um, so they have to do the most driving and travelling to get to, you know, Brisbane, Gold Coast gigs, things like that. But yeah, I'm, sure um, I'm sure they'll probably say that it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, I have no <laughs> doubt. But we, we, um, like, we doubled down pretty hard by trying to get out of Brisbane as much as possible. And we've done a few, you know, big trips. We nearly killed Billy um, on a road trip to do some shows down through New south wales and canberra last year um <laughs> like left had a couple of shows they gradually got worse and worse um and by the time we got back he looked like he was on death's door turns out he'd had laryngitis the whole time <laughs> and he's not telling anyone <laughs> he's Muscling through yeah just like he didn't really know it was laryngitis he just knew he was getting sicker by the time he got back he was delirious it was <laughs> Uh, like and there's nothing worse like like even traveling around and like just traveling when you're sick or getting sick yeah. is the worst so even if you're coming on your way back or yeah. whatever you'd just be like fuck i just need to get coming home. out of canberra at the tail end of winter oh yeah. yeah so there's a little bit of freshness in the air so i yep. mean probably sweating up a storm already just from being unwell and yep. then Having to deal with the cold, it's just a calamity of... And then the, I think it was 19-hour drive back, which Ugh. we basically decided to just tag team and long haul it. And yeah. That was, that that was not our smartest moment. <laughs> you're going to have a sore bum. You're yes. going to have a sore bum from sitting down a little too long, I think. That is a monster drive. Yep. Um, so, well, speaking of that as well, like, have you... What's so far for you? Like, is it has it just been the Gastons and Meth Teeth that you've played in? Like, have you played in any other bands? Yeah, I was in a band called The Poisoners, uh, otherwise known as The Young Poisoners, except we got old, so... Um, <laughs> yep. uh, we were around for a little while through the 2000s. Um, we didn't make a hell of a lot of noise. We were kind of a 
we were a fucking train wreck. Um, <laughs> yep. I was in a band with, actually two of the members of Meth Teeth came from that. So the drummer who is also in Gaston's, so very incestuous, mm-hmm. um, and our bassist slash keyboardist um, uh, come from um, my days in The Poison as, as well. That was a band I was in with my brother and a rotating lineup of uh, guitarists and bassists and one or two drummers yeah. um, who kind of came in and then basically got freaked out and left gradually over the years because there was um, some very hostile and untreated mental illness going on within that band through the years. Yeah, no kidding. Um, we, we were really impressed and proud of the music we wrote, but we got um, one album released for free and our second album, we, we were short one track, like one guitar track basically of finishing our second album uh, which we'd spent an exorbitant amount of time and money on recording with Bryce Moorhead, uh, mm. who's known for doing uh, Violent Soho's uh, oh. albums. Uh, cool, we were cool. recording back-to-back with Violent Soho in the same studio while they were doing Hungry Ghosts, stealing yeah. all their pedals and stuff while they weren't there. <laughs> um, but we got one track to, one track from the end and basically just fell apart, you know, gradually over the course of six months and never got it finished and oh, kind of just called it. So I've still got a whole album worth of material that I'm I'm still crazy proud of, but it's, I don't know if it's necessarily dated, but it feels dated for me. So I'm just look, moving on. I've got more, I've got more music. We'll, we'll master it and release it one day as a posthumous thing just for kicks. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like there, there wouldn't be any shame or harm in releasing it down the track regardless. Like, especially if you're proud of it as yeah, well. Like, we had, we had a lot of, um, you know, good people uh, lend a hand with that one. So uh, Matt Cook, who's, um, he was the singer in The Fevered. He's been around for a while. He was a bit of an old uh, punk stalwart on the scene. Um, he's now this uh, touring engineer for Mono. Um, oh, really? So he actually helped record a few tracks on that as well. Um, Sam Alcock, who um, plays guitar in, um, played guitar in Defamer for years. Um, he helped us record a few bits. So look, we've got a few people who we you know, owe the, um, the value of actually releasing their work, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's never really quite on the uh, in, you know in the archives completely. We'll get there one day. There there seems to be like this is my consensus anyway. Is that with with a lot of the musicians that I've talked to and stuff like that, it seems like that they're constantly always either writing something or recording something or just you know just getting. There's always something going on. Yeah, like the, there's always something you know, um, and like like you for example just saying then like you have essentially a whole album just sitting there and it has and it hasn't been released yet sort of thing do you do you know or do you get a lot of people uh within your circle or anything that are in that sort of same boat like where they just have so much to write and to to play and stuff that that's all they constantly do um i think i've got a few friends who are very much that um obsessive creator like they when you speak to them, you know the you know the conversation is always going to lead back to music very very quickly. I've got a handful of mates that are very much like that across a few different genres and a few really active guys at the moment who um, I've got a couple of mates. They've just started a, a band called Race the Streetlights and just the the incredibly gung ho way they have put this together. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see what that looks like. Yeah, you know, they'd make their live live debut mm-hmm. next month and they've been working yeah. full time uh, all of their energy has gone into this you know for the last several months um, and again these guys just keep on producing stuff they keep on just tracking new things and writing new things and and they're like me they're like they're quite happy to throw out anything that's not 100% for the time being because they know they've got something else coming they know they've got yeah. more music does 
yeah, so would you be releasing would you personally would you be releasing a lot of stuff like that if if you had the the content behind you sort of thing or do you like to put like a lot of the focus into it? Um, everyone's everyone's different obviously. I think honestly I would release more stuff if I was better at engineering. Mm. Um I I I'm a I'm an insomniac who spends that time where I'm not I'm not awake, you know, just sitting there with a the guitar in my hands. Yep. Um you know Every once in a while, I'll plug it in and actually record some scratch tracks and stuff. But I don't sit there and write the whole, you know, album of music like some people yeah. can do. I don't have that skill set, so mm-hmm. um, I don't know how much more I would release. But I know I'd be able to release more, and it would be more consistent. So I think I would get stuck into it a lot more. Yeah, yeah. Like, see, I I, I fall into the category where like I I could if I if I if I had the equipment. You know, yeah. like that, that's the thing. I never got like when I'd always jump between certain things when I was younger. Like, I'd always had this real passion for playing guitar and playing and, and like listening to music, going to gigs and all that sort of stuff. Like, I, I remember when I first got into seeing live shows and stuff, like, it was all I'd do. Like, I would every weekend I would try and go and see a new yeah. band or a new show, AA show, all that sort of groove because that's all I could then. But like, there were a lot of all ages shows still happening around like. 10 15 years ago sort of thing when i started to get like more into it and now it's definitely a lot more interesting to see uh it's more interesting to see all ages shows and whatnot but like i would constantly be jumping between that and then trying to get myself focused on full-time work or you know um i'd be back into sport again or i'd be you know there was so many chopping and changing that i would do and plus my focus then was never like gung-ho like all right this is what I'm doing right now, but when I get the spare time, I'm going to fiddle with my other hobbies sort of thing, whereas yeah. it ended up just being like, I'm too fucking tired, you know? So I, I would never get around to doing it. Um, my, my balance with that's uh, a little bit... Uh, it's it's better and worse in a lot of ways. I mean, I've got kids and responsibilities now that I didn't have when I was younger, but a lot of that time that, I would, that should have been spent working towards the goal, mm. um, I mean, I spent my... You know, late teens on acid pretending i was you know living the dream for a while you know yeah. um but i wasn't sitting down and and writing a whole album worth of stuff and mm. trying to see how i would get it recorded and, and realized so that skill set you know that that it was hobby um you know oriented more than it is for me now yeah uh, now yeah. i can sit and get the work done and i've got internal timelines and deadlines that I need to take care of to yeah. get these things done because I've got a few people, you know, relying on me in a few different bands and a few different um, musical endeavours, including booking shows and stuff. It mm. kind of keeps me on my toes and keeps me accountable as well. So the accountability part as well, like it, it does give you that motivation to, to keep like, cause I mean, if, 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 if you're not going to get in trouble for like not putting a show on or anything like that, then you're just going to keep putting on shit shows or not yeah. putting on shows at all or whatever. Um, so uh, yeah, the, the hobby related sort of view to it. Yeah, for sure. Like that's how it happened to me. Like, whereas, um, I enjoyed it a lot, but at that time it was always seemingly just happen, happening to be put on the back burner sort of thing. And when you're a kid, you really don't know what you don't know as far as, you know, putting on a show or being in a band and oh, actually yeah. stepping up looks N- like. No fucking idea. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm in, I'm the same boat as well. I've got a kid now too. Yep. Like that shit is, it, it, it's very time consuming. We should put them in a band together. Oh man, <laughs> that'd be great. I hope he's, I hope he's musical. 
when he gets older. I really think he will be too. He, yep. he, 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 um, I got a footage of him uh, the other day sitting in the back seat of the car listening to a bit of Dead Kennedys while they were playing and he was pretty chuffed about that. So yep. My little um, ones worked out uh, headbanging without ha- ever having seen it just because I... Um, you know, put on the put on the engine in the car one day, and I'd left Cradle of Filth playing. <laughs> yeah, um, my, my littlest, my little baby boy, is just uh, just turned one, and and he just I've got a little you know kids keyboard play keyboard for him, and he just punches it. Like. <laughs> it's that energy, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. there's so much noise coming at you too, and all a little one's going to be thinking is just like loud noises. This yep. excuses me to bash shit. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, as an adult, it's still really the same motivation. You it's, know? it's totally the same mentality. It's just we have control of our actions, and yep. it, now they don't. So they hear all those things, and they just go ah, and yep. just want to smash everything. But I like I learned to write music and play guitar for twenty years, basically to make a noise, not unlike what my toddlers make when they're playing <laughs> now. Like yeah. I had to learn all of those skills to justify making just that awful fucking noise. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but uh, again, kids are. F- fucking great <laughs> they are they are they are absolutely are yeah um oh it just last fortnight as well i'd had jay and Shar on from plant-based disgrace yep. um jay is uh baby mama to my kid as well so like the co-parenting side of things and stuff like that um especially now like everything's on a on a good flow you know what i mean so yep. like we're, we're starting to like want to take him out to more places and like getting more involved with um, other kids and just like more activities and stuff like that. We're looking to see like what he really wants to like focus on. He's got a really good arm as well. Surprisingly, he can throw, he can throw a ball quite well. Um, so I know that for me now does make things a little harder in terms of getting the money yeah. aside to invest in buying newer gear and like actually wanting to do more music stuff because i do um but obviously you, your priority and your focus is always your family that you have like yeah. if you're spending your money on on equipment and right, other shit doing right, it wrong <laughs> yeah you gotta you, i think you've got it around the wrong way sort of thing so just kind of have a step back and think yeah. um but that doesn't mean that I don't not want to do it. You know, I, I love it. I, I love music. I love live music. And especially seeing where the creativity comes from a lot of people too. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. And I just think it's, it's great to watch and see. And nowadays I really appreciate um, like not so much storytelling, but like a really good presence. Like yeah. Even if, it's not, even if it's just by one of the members, um, if it's all of them, that's fan fucking tasty because it's a whole show then it's 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 something that really draws you in and that's the thing like you not so much a front man i don't think i don't really think that like all the focus should always be on like say one person no, in the band there should be something magnetic about the bands you know, exactly what what's not front and center yeah like what's the energy coming from that band sort of thing yeah. like is it is it coming because of said person and then they're bouncing off him sort of thing like i don't i it's I, I get it like you if, if it's coming from one person fine like that there's nothing there's no wrong way to do it that's just how like me personally like what i'm really enjoying at the moment is a real good stage show yeah like whether it be just from one person or the whole band yeah you know that one person can't operate without some chemistry with the rest of the band you know? Ex- exactly and like if you can't and depending on top uh, on the type of venue and uh, people that you're playing to and stuff if you can't take shit from like a boisterous audience or whatever right. then that might be a bit difficult and there's an owner uh, um it, it it's 
the duty is upon the musician, the artist, the performer to, to have a bit of self-awareness about what they're doing and how they look on stage. And mm. you'll see it a lot with bands and musicians who are still quite you know, young and new and green. That they don't quite know what they're doing on stage, just how they look and how they behave. And mm-hmm. with their best attempts at you know, throwing moves still kind of feel awkward. Um, but you can, you can kind of build up a, a comfort with that over time um, and start to develop a character with it. I remember mm. Tim Minchin, um, he, he once upon a time was, you know, a tubby, hairy, you know, comedy musician and, and he was just starting to get a real following. And when he started to get feedback, he also realized this isn't who I want people giving me feedback about who I am now. So basically he slowly developed the Tim Minchin character that, that became famous. Yeah. The eyeliner, the crazy hair and the suits and the, the whole thing was a, a slow morphing into that image because he was very distinct, uh, he had a very distinct notion that if he wanted people to look at him, he really needed to give them something to look at. Mm. And I think that notion's lost on a lot of musicians, or at least it gets a bit clouded when they step up on stage. Yeah, because well, because there's so much stuff that's going on in your oh, head yeah. too. Like when you're up there, like you yeah. just, first oh. and foremost, you don't want to fuck up the notes. So yep. like. Um, that's that's got to be one of the big ones. And there's all the crazy incidental stuff that you really you don't even consciously think about, but you're also <laughs> constantly taking account of. Just don't step on the lights. Don't step on this weird thing. Don't <laughs> run into your bassist. He's swinging around too much. Like yeah, you know, make eye contact with this person. They seem really into it. Don't make eye contact with that person. They seem like they're on drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they might get a little pissed off at yep. you for getting a bit too. Yeah. Yep. So like, yeah, being aware of your surroundings at a shows and uh, at shows and stuff can be quite. Yeah. Uh, That's before anything goes wrong. Yeah. I've been I've been like shocked by the microphone a few times and things like that. You know, like really. I, yeah, I got on st- got on stage at the old back room before they. Uh, renovated with my old band and um, I had that moment where like straight out of a cartoon where you freeze and you can't move and you just yeah you know, I detached myself from the microphone and realized that I just sort of put my lip to it and gotten a, a live charge through it so yeah. we had a slightly abridged set and then the next band um, old band called Demon Fire um, blew the lights on the place and started like a didgeridoo led strip show instead it was Jesus one of Christ. the weirdest shows I've ever fucking seen yeah like I have I have seen uh, I've got one image in my head and I think this happened maybe six or seven years ago and there's like a YouTube video of, uh, do you know the band Amur? Yeah. Yeah, so the singer Frankie Palmieri or however you pronounce it, I think they were playing a show over it. <laughs> he was, they were playing a show over in Russia and um, just as he's about to go up and start singing a part of his song or whatever, goes up to his mouth and then he just kind of, his hand goes straight to his chest his body just stiffens up like a board and he just falls over. Like he's about to and then he just, it's like that instant, he just locked up, his whole body locked up and he's just fallen straight on the ground. It's a really frightening feeling if you've ever experienced it. I had a... Not a full-on electrocution, but like I have had charges through me before and it it tickles. So this is one of those stories that like like my kids aren't going to know this for a very, very long time, but I um, took a bunch of acid one night and decided to cook myself a meal on an old... idea like a uh, 70s electric skillet yeah um, and i'm making a stir fry and not thinking anything of it because again i'm on acid and You're i've seen things yeah. and I've, um used a, an electric uh, sorry a metal um uh, like metal tongs to do this with and things gone live and i've been stuck to it like actually stuck to it just you know unable to draw my hand away watching my arm shake finally pull my arm away like you know, slap myself basically conscious you know my heart's still racing and realize i've just straightened up and sobered up completely 
Five minutes later, Asky comes back on. I'm just like, I should finish cooking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no fear. No fear, nothing, everything. It's just... It, just don't use metal tongs this time. <laughs> your acid's telling you that was just... That was nothing. That was nothing. I just... I imagine it's getting electrocuted. Yeah. I'm going to finish this food. No, like... Yeah, it, it does, especially if that sort of stuff gets involved when you're playing live shows and whatnot. Like, that can also be hard to keep an eye on, like, for your surroundings and your band members. Because yep. I, know, I know a lot of guys that are pretty party-hardy and they like to get, get on the source and stuff before they play. And, you know, not all they don't always do it intentionally to get fucked up. It's just no. like they go there, they're chatting with their friends before they go up and play, socialising and then watching their band, their, their bandmates and or band friends, I should say, sorry, play. Yep. And you just, that camaraderie and that, 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 that feeling of community comes in like instantly and you just want to drink and talk and have a good time and then next thing you know, you're like, fuck, I've had six yeah. down. It's and I'm funny if you actually hang out backstage a bit, you'll see bands do it. You'll see mm. bands consciously like, They'll get the you know, the heads up like you guys are on ten minutes. You're good to go, and one of them will stand up, sway, and just go, "Oh fuck!" And <laughs> shouldn't have been sitting down that whole time. Yep, yeah, just just give me a minute. I'm just gonna get some water and some fresh air. Uh, I think that's <laughs> outside of like playing live or anything like that. The worst thing you can ever do when you have to get something done up, like if you're having a few, is to sit down while you're doing it because then when you get up, you're like, "Oh yep. shit!" If you've Your been standing up that whole time. You're, you're ready for it you're all yeah. good it doesn't hit you like a brick wall when you stand up so yeah like I mean that again is like just it's rolling a die like <laughs> you're rolling you, you, you're rolling with the punches basically yeah, just, it, it's, it's not and again like unless you're an asshole and you're being disrespectful or whatnot, like um, like most people aren't really going to care no. you know like because you're having a good time like, yeah. you're up there playing and, and doing what you want to do but not everyone's Lemmy it means you fuck up a lot more shows <laughs> that way really it really does <laughs> yeah I mean what was it he would drink a bottle of Jack a day or something oh uh, he, he he had to stop drinking Jack Daniels because it was turning his tongue black and he switched to vodka and orange that was part of the reasoning for no sorry that was Slash I'm getting my, getting my alcoholic rock stars mixed up there oh okay yeah because it's I, I just shared a thing the other day actually about Kid Rock and Dead Set that motherfucker looks like he's Dr. Phil um dressed up as Kid Rock. Like, that's not how someone should look. Like, no. I, and I, I feel like that's come from a lot of partying. Yeah. Like, they stopped at Live Fast and they didn't yeah. die young or leave a beautiful corpse. <laughs> Ozzy's a good example of that. Too. Somehow somehow he is still alive. And that is, that is a fucking marvel. If they don't do something, like, if they don't do an autopsy on him afterwards, I'll be disappointed. I think Sharon just keeps him alive out of spite now. Oh, look, I, I don't understand how like how he has generally genuinely been alive for as long as he has because he's like same with um Iggy Pop as well. Like, have you seen that dude's body? Yeah, that's I, actually I have a I have a theory that Iggy Pop is actually dead, but like just he's, the sheer amount of energy that went into Iggy Pop in the eighties and nineties, like he's, he he's he's just not going to stop for a little while yet. It's just there's a delay. I got so he's like a he's like a star in the sky that has destroyed itself, but we are still getting the light from it. Yeah. So he's is that the sort of comparison i can yep. see that i can see that because you look at his his stomach looks like a face <laughs> you know like, yep. i love him i love him he's not digging on him obviously well i am digging on him but 
Like, I'm glad I got to see Iggy Pop in the like just just a matter of years before that started happening to this his chest skin. Like, yeah, <laughs> fantastic musician. Put himself through the fucking wars, and you can see it. It's on his body, like yeah. you know. But oh, he's still going. He's still having a good time, and I uh, like. He's not hurting anyone besides yep. himself, I guess, in the meantime, unless he's looking after himself now. Whichever you set know. of staff is doing the, the weekend of Bernie's <laughs> thing to him as he goes. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Um, so have you, actually, uh, have you toured overseas or anything like that? Or, not overseas, or, no. Not I've, overseas, I've, yeah? I basically took Gaston's out from my first and our first uh, interstate tours last year. So we got yep. to hit... Uh, Melbourne for a few shows and then uh, that life-threatening trip through yeah. <laughs> New South Wales and Canberra. Yeah, yeah. Um, when abouts was the interstate ones? Was it early, uh, uh, late last year? Or yeah, uh, the New South New South Wales trip was in September, mm-hmm. uh, and the Victoria trip was in February. So yeah. That would have to be the travelling side of it, I would say, be the least favourite aspect of being a musician, yeah? Yeah, I mean, the driving part sucks. Um, the Being in new places, that's awesome. You know, oh, yeah, checking yeah, out yeah, new yeah. places is great. The the, the, getting the tourist there, part, part yeah. of it is amazing, and the playing shows in places you've never been is really, really cool. Mm. But getting there sucks so yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that That's, I think, one, I, I guess that would have to be, like, one of the main hurdles if you wanted to start doing more like interstate stuff is like are you okay with either like if we can't fly we're gonna have to drive so and i mean like i don't know what a lot of people's views are now but i know some of the bigger bands and stuff they're not they're choosing not to fly you know now too so you've got to start thinking about that you know everyone's getting that green foot coming through and not wanting to uh add any more unnecessary shit into the air than they should. Yeah, we um, basically try very hard to um, tie gigs together so there's the minimum amount of travel between them. Yeah. Uh, getting caught on like a 19-hour return journey was basically the, you know, um, the best the failing could, of that yeah. you know, plan. <laughs> I was going to say like that was the best you could do. Like yeah. that was like you work, tried working everything out and that was the best way you could do it. Like, And that's the thing too. Like sometimes you just that's how it works out and you might just have to do that massive drive yeah. like and yeah that that is like it's not you know it's not entirely safe you know like no. you know like musicians do put themselves on the line oh really, yeah i have to do these big trips and stuff like i that. have regrets for some of the drives that i've done personally in the last couple of years just I, like I've got a family. There's no way I should have driven you know five straight hours from Dolby in the middle of the night after a show. But that's yeah. the kind of dumb things I do because you've got to get back to the town, do your actual re- regular everyday life, and still have time to do all of the music things. And yeah. basically, just get yourself into a mindset of these crazy things aren't a burden because if they start to become a burden, you stop doing them. Yeah, and you stop. Yeah, yeah, and that's not what you want. No. You, know? you want to be able to keep going with it. And, like, again, yeah, it's just little things like that, I suppose. Like, mental health, especially on drives like that, can absolutely come into it. And yeah. I, I I would like to actually talk to you a little bit about that stuff, but I'm going I'm to save that for the second half anyway, <laughs> yeah, sure. which is cool. Um, what would you say... We'll, we'll, we'll ask this last one, and then we'll have ourselves a break. I need to stretch my legs. Um what would be your favorite aspect of being a musician then? Um, it probably sounds a little bit masochistic cause it, it's sort of a rock and roll is the demon bitch goddess who saved me so many times over. Yep. And I 
I would feel remiss in not giving it everything I had back, you know? Like, it's helped you through a lot of tough times by what you're saying and, like, what better way to repay it than by playing it yeah. sort of thing, like, yeah? W- without people doing the DIY thing, which is basically what I continue to do, it's all up to the bands and musicians and companies and organisations who have a market and money existing and that's a very small portion of the entertainment industry. Mm. So you need people who do it for the love of it and you need people who do it for really dumb reasons and I, I continue to know that all my reasons are pretty dumb but I don't have a better reason for it and I'm not going to stop doing it. Like, Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, like that's... If, if you've had that inspiration especially from an early age too like they've it's very hard to shake off like you know like you're very impressionable when you're young so if you've had that you know happen to you early that's what you want to focus on that's what you want to do you know and it and it it does it does motivate you especially to be like uh, to be like um yeah i i i owe it like I, i i i should well not owe it but you know like i this is what i really want to do like I, I, I believe that, that this is what I really want to do because at the end of the day, I've got a hundred things that I really want to do. Yeah, but, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm okay with giving a little blood for it. Yeah, know? yeah. It's it's something that you're passionate about, you know, and it's helped you through tough times. So, like, why wouldn't you? It's like it's like anything else out there, like even with your friends or family, if they if they've been ones to actually have been there for you and, and done stuff for you. you you feel like that that love and like that you would want to do it back you yeah. know so different different ways different views of looking at it i guess as well um but no that's that's a really cool way of looking at it as as um as f- from someone looking into it as well which is really cool um i would now like to throw to um we were going to go with Death Souls. This yeah. was from 2016 Gaston's, right? Yep. So you didn't have anything to do with... This. No, it's just an excellent song by the band that I'm in. <laughs> yeah. So this this EP or um, or this release, I should say, anyway, um, uh, you didn't have so much to do with per se, but you was their manager at this time back in uh, 20... I took over ma- no, I took over managing um, basically a couple of years ago. Uh, so the lack of activity that went on between the recording of this and... Um, you know, me taking on management meant that there wasn't a lot to, uh, to look okay. at. Yep. All right. So we really pushed the last sort of the last phase of promotion for that while we get while we got into the next thing. Okay. Yeah. So we were going to go with Death Tolls. Do you know much like what the songs? A bit? Can you tell us much about the song or anything that you know? Of? Maybe not so much about how it was written, but um, I've probably. That one's a little bit of a, a, I think, a personal song for Billy, so I don't think me explaining it's going to quite do it justice. Okay, yeah, and that's um, fair enough, yeah. It it was basically the single from from that EP, so it was the one that they had the, the band had the most sort of faith in uh, coming out, and it was the first song of theirs, um, you know, hearing them live when I was exploring, working with them, that really grabbed me as... as um, a personal anthem rather than a punk rock song. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds intriguing. So we'll give it a jam then. All right. We'll have uh-huh. ourselves a break and we'll be back in a, in a couple of minutes. Well, precisely three minutes and six seconds. Yeah. All right.
pretty cool that was pretty cool um have you you've got we're gonna jam and uh at the end of the episode anyway another one of uh gaston's songs um uh what so far is your favorite to play live uh honestly it's the new tracks we've been writing the um, new ones being able to you know put my own touches on them and it makes it a lot easier to remember parts when you write them yourself as well Right, um, yeah. So when, when you would cover songs or learn songs um, back in the day when you'd start learning and whatnot, did you find it easier to learn songs when you would, like, say, tab form and stuff and be able to remember it? Or? No, I'm useless with learning from tabs for some reason. It's it just, I don't know, kinesthetic learning style. It doesn't really gel with me. I, right, okay. I can get basics down, but when it starts getting more complicated, um, then you know, basic four to the floor rhythms, then I start to struggle unless I'm sitting and listening to something and kind of ignoring tabs just so I can feel out what's happening. Yeah, okay. Because that's how I started learning. Like, I, I just, I, I, I could see it, I could recognise it. The timing-wise and whatnot, you had to work out yourself, yep. which was the downer, I suppose. But, like, if you could, when they still had it, they had, like, Power Tab or something where you could download the little PDF thing and then it would play it for you and you could work the timing out and whatnot. It was, like, the cheap alternative to Guitar Pro or yeah, whatever. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I haven't really used any uh, apps that ha- have helped in any way. I literally just used to print out tabs and I had a little, like, exercise book that I'd stick them all in. And uh, okay. late at night when I you know, had to sit there and mute everything very quietly just to get my hands around... You know, the frets and yeah make, yeah you know, to get, get the parts the, couldn't disturb anybody couldn't really plug anything in couldn't listen to a song to play it back with just had to learn riffs that way and then later try and transpose what I'd learned to the riff as I heard it you know you know being able to learn Did random riffs like Cradle of Filth songs when I was a kid and you know Metallica riffs because you have to yeah um, yeah like but, the first song I started learning when I picked up a guitar like stupidly was like master of puppets and i'm thinking fuck i could learn this like first song no doubt and like to my credit like i got about a minute and a half in or something and i think that's as far as i got yeah i I did i learned master of puppets quite early on just to try and i started learning it quite early on i sort of pieced it together bits Mm. and pieces as i needed to learn more finger trickery basically yeah yeah um but like i 
I wrote I, what I learned because I didn't listen to Metallica. I still don't listen to Metallica. I never had a thing for them. I just needed to learn the riffs. So I was learning them from numbers. And it turned out that what I'd learned because of the rhythms that I'd written into it was exponentially more complex than what they were actually playing. And I had to work backwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Making it harder for yourself. Yeah. I've got a few moments like that where, like, even my own bands, the bands will, you know, the guitarist uh, from poisoners back in the day would show me a riff then i'd come back with what i thought the riff was two weeks later after having half forgotten it and he'd just be like oh fuck i can't play that <laughs> he was an exponentially better guitarist than me but i just kind of lose him because you know he had a riff that made sense in his head and i'd come back with something that was just like no 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 that's wrong it sounds great and i can't play it but it's wrong <laughs> <laughs> do you get a lot of that when you guys are all together and jamming and stuff like because everybody's got their own keen ear for something do you do you get a lot of uh, back and forth, like I wouldn't say arguments or anything, but, but excuse me, sorry, uh, discussions about certain passages of songs and whatnot. Uh, not so much with Gaston's. Um, they they're coming in as fairly well formed song structures, um, and Billy's usually got some lyrics to kind of build off. But I guess there's a, I mean, for the rest of the band, and I feel a little bit. For myself I'm coming into this so there's just a, a, a second nature like a, a hidden language that they know how to speak with each other musically yeah um, that makes songs make sense like they don't have to have too much back and forth there's not a lot of uh, of discussion there's usually like that chord's wrong try something different alright that sounded cool like mm. um, it, it's not terribly onerous you know upon anybody to um, switch things up you it, know it's interesting to see as well how how um, when you are like in that that zone, like just how well you can gel when it is happening. Like if you're all on the same page and you're just in the zone and you know what's like if you know when you fuck up or whatever, and yeah. like you're you you hear something and then someone picks up on it, but then you all sort of like go maybe try this and that and then just keep it going and then like it's that you get that feeling in your gut yeah. sort of thing like it falls short of improvisation exactly but it yeah it has that same spirit to it yeah so. and quite often even when because i'm trying to think of just say other examples that i can relate to in my instance because i haven't played uh in a in a live band before but like say even just um like you're just sporting things or whatever that you've done like cricket or volleyball like they're the things that I've done anyway um you when you're on when you're on the zone like when you're in it um and you're just seeing everything clearly like say better yet volleyball might work better because you're in a team thing here when when you're all in the same boat and like you know what you've got to do you know where you're fucking up and you know what they're going to try and do next etc um there's just that sort of like feeling that you get like you like you know what you're going to do like i'm ready i'm prepared i can do this and it's for for a really well gelled band, um, you can almost kind of see that as well, especially when they play live too. Like once they've got that, when they're in that zone, it's like nothing will, will fuck with them, sort of thing. Like yeah. even uh, unless it's something in the crowd or unforeseen, sort of thing. Some, like yeah. you know, yeah, something that's completely out of context to the show or whatever. Like there's no way you're going to be able to distract them, sort of thing. Yeah, and it, it's really it's really cool to see that. I haven't seen the Gastons yet, but I. I knowing now as well like i really do want to uh come and check out your next show whenever it's on too yep. which is and this is coming up yeah exactly and um 
you also do, uh, I believe it's called waste management productions. Yep. Is it productions? Yeah. Yep. Um, I've, I haven't heard too much about it, but what is it exactly that you do with that? that that's a, that's a promotion company or production company that you own is that yeah, yeah yeah basically it's the um production company i use uh to run tours and gigs um uh fledgling record label in big inverted commas and <laughs> i've helped um fund and produce gaston stuff and upcoming meth teeth stuff mm-hmm. um and we'll be branching out a little bit over the next uh, few months as well a few more artists that i'm working with um but essentially, it's my yeah outlet for putting on live shows, you know, and keeping the tax man happy and not having to just stamp my name on shit. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, because the tax man fucking likes to be involved in a lot of things, doesn't he? Yeah, it's funny. I don't make any money, but they still want it. They still want to know about it. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Um, so yeah, you you, which is really cool as well. But this also is this what you're because you've also just announced. Well, you were telling me before that uh, there's a there's a show coming up. Uh, that I believe that you're putting on. Yep. Um, uh, Molly and the Cruels? Or Molly and the Krells. Krells, sorry. Um, uh, I just saw a flyer pop up for that today, so I assume all the poster stuff and everything's just come out for it today sort yep. of thing. Um, yeah, so that's that's one that you're putting on yep. as well, yeah. So and playing with that one as well, yeah. Oh, you are. Oh, that's right, yeah. And uh, Loud Goes Bang, I've seen Loud those. Loud Goes Bang, Screaming Platypuses, yeah. Justin's and Molly and the Krells from Sydney. I've, I've seen Loud Goes Bang years and years, uh, not years and years ago, but a few years back uh, at like a, a, a ski, like a cable ski park down in Carbrook, cool. um, which was really cool. Cool. They, they, the, there were a couple of years where I'd gone there where they were playing like Crooked Face and Goon and Walking and yeah, Loud Goes Bang. My feeling is generally that like they're all old enough to know better, which is hilarious to me. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're, they're really cool guys too. I yeah. like them. Um, yeah, and so you are putting that one on. What What is... What's it like to, to for you to get those those shows together and stuff like that? Because I haven't I don't really know enough about Molly and the Cruels. Um, Krells. Krells, sorry, I said it. <laughs> fucking hell. See, exactly. I'm fucking useless. Um, Molly and the Krells, and they're here in February. So, what yep. was it like getting them on board and like getting to? Because you've obviously got to talk with them and get get the the ideas together and get yep. it all. Well, we together. actually got to play with them in Sydney and Canberra uh, last year. So when I was putting on putting together that tour mm-hmm. um a lot of putting together a tour um is you know filling a lineup it's actually one of the hardest and most time consuming parts of putting on any show is just getting a good lineup of bands who are all available all willing nobody pulls out nobody's got anything else on um and doing that stumbled across like just buried myself in sydney bands for several weeks and stumbled across a couple of cool ones and molly and the krells really stood out mm-hmm. um so just you know, booking a, a an interstate tour with a band from Brisbane. You know, that, that sounds good to most bands. You hear your band's coming up to play in your town. It's usually not a big leap to go, yeah, cool, I'll join in. Mm-hmm. Um, so they went, yeah, cool, I'll join in and played in Sydney with us and um, decided, yeah, it's not so, so hard to drive out to Canberra um, to, to join us for a show and kind of just had a great time with them. So when they... Uh, started getting their shit together to head up to Brisbane. They're releasing some new music. They wanted to do a, you know, a couple of proper interstate tours and jaunts and really get out to the crowds. So mm-hmm. um, we're one of the bands, um, one of the people who they have a relationship with. It just, you know, kind of, they they, they asked if they could do it. And I'm like, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll put the work into that. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so it, a, a lot of it does come down to 
two things really like chips falling into place yep. and just making sure that bands can play yeah i mean a yeah. lot of it's just being polite and nice to people being straight you know with everyone you deal with to make yeah. sure that like you you're trustworthy you're not screwing anyone over yeah at any time there's not a lot of money involved so it's all very um you know tight and a lot of um diy help goes a long way so if you can kind of help provide that then you know, mm-hmm. it makes things a lot easier and everyone gets everyone's a lot happier so like because you've also got to organize when it is your show putting it on and stuff depending on where it's being played like you've got to organize the gear and stuff like that yeah. as well too so yeah logistical stuff gets a bit tedious but yeah so does does that make it more worthwhile to or or you know what I mean? Like having to organize a lot of that stuff, especially if it's being DIYs, yeah. DIY done. It sort or? of depends on the shows. Um, smaller shows, uh, they can require a lot more organization than it, than it seems really worth it for the number of bands, the number of people who come, et cetera. But yeah. again, the DIY thing is you just kind of take those, you know, take those hits because the next one's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Bigger shows like interstate things that I've done have, um, they've had their own logistical problems, but uh, getting things like gear um, and all those like little fiddly things—that's really just a matter of some emails and some phone calls. So that's not the stuff that um, really you know makes you attached to it. It's just some paperwork in the background. What really makes what really makes it worthwhile, really makes me go back and keep doing it, no matter how much work it is, uh, is meeting cool new bands like yeah. Honestly, wouldn't have any shot of seeing, knowing about if I didn't go out and do this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm super excited about this Sydney band uh, called Mountain Wizard Death Cult, which is just the best fucking name I've heard in years. Um, and I'm bringing them up actually in April to play. That was the next one I was going to ask you about um, as well, because there was another gig that you're putting on, to, uh, putting together as well. That's got yeah, uh, Mountain Death Club, uh, Lizard Wizard, uh, 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 Mountain Wizard Death Cult, Hope Drone. Sorry. And Empress. Empress and Astro Death from Sydney as well. Astro Death. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that one's in April. How yeah. lo- So that one's already booked and ready to go, essentially. Yeah. And this one that you just did uh, was the flyer for it, essentially, has only just come out yesterday. So yeah. was that because there was still some stuff being ironed out? Yeah, basically. Yeah, like yeah. that there's, sort of there's thing. There's a lot of fiddly stuff. And at this time of year, uh, April, um, that gig is like it's the weekend, um, it's the Easter weekend. There's a few months out for it, and uh, it's not the middle of the you know summer holidays with all of the complications of summer. Not to mention fucking bushfires complicating things for people. That that yeah, the traveling really, and it, stuff. It yeah. sounds really you know kind of petty to to talk about the issues that that's causing for traveling musicians, but it is causing issues for traveling musicians. So well, it's putting a spanner in the works for a lot of people. Well, it is especially between that New South Wales Victorian border, right? Like right through there. That's where the majority of like well, not the majority, but that's where a bulk of a lot of those fires have been. Yeah, and there's so a having, highway through there now, like yeah. So like, how the fuck are you supposed to get to your place if like if it, if the roads cut off, sort of thing? Yeah. So like, look, that's you, why this took so long. That's just you know one of the many things that's just been slowing everyone down along the east coast you know as far as booking entertainment has been concerned it's not been the first priority for anybody yeah uh yeah, summer holidays and all the other complications that you know that come in. along it's with just it yeah coming to this time of year getting everyone to agree takes more time than getting someone to agree at april may june july august because they just don't have as much on a holiday yeah holiday times for anyone um will make people and this is the shitty irritating stuff that you know, being a promoter or you know booker, 
you don't think about it until you have until you have like three weeks of why can't I find a band? I need one band. Why is there no one available? And then suddenly someone will just be like, hey, yeah, we're available. Like, you know, we've we've got some time. We can we can do that show. And you'd be like, this is better than the band I was looking for. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting too, like how um, opportunities like that uh, just sporadically pop up too. Yeah. It's like it never happens regularly, sort of thing, which is which is interesting. No, but it, it just every now and then there's just one instance where it just all clicks. Yeah. Anything where it does come together too fast, there's going to be some problem that you have to deal with later. So it's not really worth just like, oh, cool, that worked because something else is coming up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, when you when you plan the, these sort of gigs ahead of time like that, is that constantly in the back of your mind that maybe someone's going to pull out or what, or anything? Like, is yeah, that a downside to putting it out so far ahead? Or Yeah, I mean, it can happen. Usually putting it, um, putting it out so far ahead... Uh, you run into really unforeseen things. Like we had a band pull out of a show in Sydney with uh, two weeks less, less than two weeks notice um, because two of the members were in the Air Force and got fucking deployed. Right, They had yeah. no notice. That's, you, you can't argue with the, the Air Force. Like that, they, yeah, they, good they, luck they trying to, yeah. yeah. Um, and they're, they're an awesome band, um, uh, but you know, they couldn't do it. I'm keen to get them into into more things and you know, get them that show that I couldn't get them this time. But yeah, yeah I meant you had to had to scramble last minute and find someone to replace them. Did found an awesome Sydney band called Before the King, mm-hmm. um, who I have no doubt will be on Triple J any day now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they're they're the ones that are very interesting uh, when you see them come through and stuff. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. you kind of get that vibe on how big they could potentially be. Sometimes, yeah. like it, I, I suppose it. it Maybe sometimes you can. Maybe they were having a bad show one night or whatever. But usually you can kind of get a rough idea on how good, like, a, a band like that is. Polished about it, not necessarily how slick and shiny it all is, but mm. just something polished about the, the the package they have as a band. Like you could sort of see them being on that more noticeable scale, like yeah. or yeah, like they the, have an X factor thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and that's not necessarily. Like it's not a shot on any other bands or anything like that because you know like you like yourself as well like you you obviously like to go and see a lot of bands play live whether it be just like ones busking down the street or in a stadium you yep. know whatever like you're interested in it you want to watch it and you're always looking for that sort of stuff like oh yeah they're, no they're actually really good they could do something you know or like oh no they're pretty shit but they're good to watch you know yeah, look it's it, a lot of fun it's really gratifying sometimes just being on the ground floor where mm. you're like for every Brisbaneite who saw, you know, Violent Soho, you know, the the year before they fucking blew up, or every Brisbaneite who's been watching Wax grow for the last few years, and then, mm. you know, that's really exciting. It's it's you know these are our these are our people. These are our these are our friends. These are our, our yeah. schoolmates. These are, you know, you're, it's three degrees of separation at worst for most of these people. And like, honestly, if you look through your your friends list on your Facebook or something, you probably find it's far it closer to you know one degree of separation from all these people who we idolize musically it's yeah really exciting to to be so close to that you know spirit it's a smaller world too than you think oh wow once once you kind of get your foot in the water and you start talking to a couple of people they know these people and then they know those people and it's 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 much closer than than you really think until you know you kind of put a little bit of a spotlight on it which is amazing as well because yep. there is like as as much shit as brisbane gets in terms of what the the audience is like or whatever or how the you know like we're notorious for buying our tickets at the last second compared yeah. to most places um yep. you know like but there are a lot of good musicians in brisbane you know and like there is 
such a good talent pool that we've got floating around at the moment. Like, and like, I, I feel like a lot of musicians kind of get lost a little bit, like when they go down to Melbourne sort of thing, because yeah. like there is so much of that shit. Like there, if we, if you think we got a lot here, I feel like it's much better down in Melbourne. You know, like Melbourne's got a lot more variety, but I yeah. also struggle with places that have that much variety. It's the Napster thing. You start to get a little bit lost with what you're looking for. And, it, oh, and it's okay. worse if yeah. you're the creator. Yeah. Like if you're get, if you're the creator and you no longer have your your weird little niche, mm-hmm. then you start to slip into other people's little niches. And I mean, that's how you get scenes and clicks happen. And so, yeah. some really okay. positive things come from that. But you also get a bit of a you know a gray washing of of genre that way. Like I look at the. Uh, this is pro- probably a little bit of a, um, a an odd example because some of it's really very very good. But Grayscale, Grayscale, Grayscale Records, there's some phenomenal stuff being released by that. But you can start to pick the commonalities between a lot of those bands. They're only just starting to really push away from that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard some of the stuff coming out from some of the Grayscale bands coming out like this summer and this early this year. And it's taken them a couple of years to, to start to really draw apart their identities from each other Mm -hmm. Uh, you can watch that happen in every click and every scene that kind of emerges throughout Australia Brisbane had a unique place for a few years there where we were the small country town and so many of the bands that came out of here really had to prove that they weren't bumpkins basically Mm -hmm. Um, so for a few years there we had one of the strongest metal scenes punk scenes around um we we were even uh, rated in NME magazine once as I think it was the second um, best music city in the world behind Cardiff. Um, oh, no kidding, really? Just because of the sheer amount of interesting stuff that was coming out of here. And this is back in the days where we had you know, dozens of punk bands coming out of here all the time and George was still p- performing and, and, and winning you know, arias and yeah. uh, uh, Savage Garden were... You know, they were the mature pop stars that they finally became by this point. And, you know, we had this really strong legacy of musicians that were doing interesting, unique, different things just popping up around the city. We never had the live scene to support it, so everyone had to disappear off to their final destinations. So we lost a lot of bands to Melbourne, a lot of wonderful, talented musicians fucked off to Canada and America, never to be seen again. Like, they might be doing one, you know, really interesting work over there but we don't get them anymore yeah that's an that's an interesting um way to uh see it as well because like i've i i never uh viewed it in that degree like you know like sort of like the gray washing like it comes to this and comes to that sort of thing like for me like if if i knew where a certain band was playing that i just really wanted to see like i'd i'd just go and see it you know like i'd i'd try yeah. and just stick to that sort of thing i mean like even tonight um you've got a you've got a battle of the of the genres tonight happening yeah, uh, obituary down obituary and worm rot with and fuc at crowbar Frank Carter of the, and the rattlesnakes i think is playing tonight as well yes and there's also terror and yep. malevolence uh i'm really spewing that i wasn't going to that because shackles i fucking love shackles yep. they're one of my favorites um and, and here we damage. are doing this instead I know, right? Well, I don't have money, so like that's my reason. <laughs> I've so. got kids; I don't have money either. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, and, and nerve damage is playing that one as well. They're oh, fucking wow. sick. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. I love nerve damage. I've been actually trying to get them on a show for a while, but because their members 
are in a few other bands and all of them are doing quite well. Yeah. Actually getting them pinned down. Um, I, I really got to give them more than a few months in, in advance. They're one of those ones I really have to book, you know, give them six months and just nail them down because I I'd can't s- get them. <laughs> I'd say start asking them now because they just dropped an, a, a new song as well. So they'd be oh, wanting right. to get on the road. Um, I just shared it the other day because I had to listen to it. This, fucking I've sick. got this long list of bands who I, I've, I've contacted them once or twice, tried to hit, hit, hit them up for things, particularly while I was sort of a you know, fledgling promoter and I've really got to like swing back around to them and get them on something good this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, for sure, man. Like, cause those guys, I, I've heard from a few people uh, that those guys do go off as well. But yeah. yeah, like like you're saying, like even tonight, it's a Thursday night and there's like three solid shows on tonight. Yeah, I was wondering why I couldn't find a park earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, and I mean, for once we're actually getting some fucking rain too. So like that makes people crazy. Um they don't know how to drive. They don't know how to do anything. Yep. When it suddenly starts raining, uh, I, on the way here, it was some fucking moron merging onto the highway going 80. Like, it, that's the most common one I get nowadays. And, like, rain had nothing to do with that one, obviously. But just, like, fuck, stop it. Yeah, I, just- had, I had someone <laughs> cut me off awkwardly um, turning, into Brunswick, turning into Brunswick Street and ended up... Uh, being kind of forced onto the road or onto the bridge so I had to like go to Kangaroo Point and turn around like I was on the wrong side of the city <laughs> <laughs> just w- different weather makes people do stupid fucking things yep. as well and it, it's never fun I don't reg- regard the ar- average driver highly to begin with oh no no you, I don't think I think I think no one should be considered a good driver I think everyone should be looking out for them fucking selves yep every once in a while I just want to accelerate and t-bone someone to give to teach them a lesson about being you know aware aware of their surroundings and ready for the road (laughs) can you see me now (laughs) (laughs) no but like seeing even on a Thursday in Brisbane like you know there's still plenty of shows and big bands that are coming out to come and 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 check it out and stuff that's that's still a good sign. Like I, I, I talk about it every so often and whatnot, like saying, you know, like is, is the Brisbane scene going down or up, you know, because it, it it's very much like, oh, I'm trying to, trying to find the best comparison maybe, but like um, it's very up and down. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it fluctuates. A we lot. haven't had a good level balance for a few years either. Mm. There, there has been like, uh, like, good like for the last year that i've been paying more attention to it as well like there has been a good run of shows and bands that have been coming through that i have that i have enjoyed and that's that's why i kind of wonder like do you like do people think is the scene doing well or is it doing bad and stuff because i always like to get people's opinions that are especially involved in it a lot more than me i think the scene uh broadly speaking it's hard to kind of nail down how well it's doing like the, the general health of it because it's um, so dependent on a few working organs. Mm. Uh, there's only so many promoters working at certain scales. There's only so many bookers who are bringing over bands from America or Europe, uh, and there's only so many who are able to put on you know, a show of a certain number of run, like a, a run of a certain number of shows up and down the East Coast. So, watching what they're doing gives you a pretty good idea of what the next six months is going to be like. Yeah, uh, a handful of promoters, you, you'll all know, know their names, you know the, you know who they bring out. There's a handful of really strong punk promoters um, who they bring out one show that does incredibly and the next show is half attended, you know, and somewhere between that they have to balance out an income to make a third show happen and a fourth show happen and a fifth show happen. Mm-hmm. But there's also... Um, 
yeah, a couple of young fledgling dudes who have been working really hard for a number of years. Uh, Lachlan Watt, the guy who does the Triple J metal yeah, show. Yeah, the racket, um, yeah, the racket, yeah. He's had a rough couple of years, but he's also put together um, a promotions tour company that has put out, honestly, some of the coolest national heavy tours we've seen this year. What What is it that he does? Uh, what's the record thing or that he does? What's oh, it called I the name of the actual uh, company he's working for, but they brought out Zeal and Arda... Uh, earlier this year and that was an just incredible show they brought out uh, Cult Leader um, okay uh, uh, Youth um, I'm getting the name of the bands now I'm just blanking a bit but yeah he's brought out he's brought out I think now four tours um, might be five yeah um, all of them have been incredibly forward thinking cults you know fan base bands not you know surefire hits by any means but because they've got this really strong you know respectable undercurrent um, in their fan base they were able to come and start building a little, little bit of a circuit here you know, those handful of bands don't sound anything like each other weren't touring together but somewhere between them all being promoted by the same group by the same minds with the same language um, they've started to build a really strong promotions network. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few people operating like that, but the general health of the scene doesn't really depend on them individually. It's still, it, there's genres to worry about. There's clicks to worry about. EDM isn't doing well at the moment from everything I've you know come to understand. It's too disparate. Um, the metal scene, you know, is jumbled up a little bit at the moment, um, you know, from city to city. Um, there's really only a few commonalities, common threads that are, you know, surefire ways to get crowds through the doors uh, yeah. you know, in, the, in the big major cities. So it's, it becomes really complicated just trying to assess the health of the scene based on that because there's a couple of dudes who just, they go at it so hard. And, and that you'd never yeah, know, yeah. you'd never know that they didn't make money from a show because that show looked so fucking successful, but they threw more at it than, the, than they've ever thrown at a show because this isn't the one they're making their money on. This isn't the one that they made their reputation on. They've got another show coming soon. And this is, this is the interesting part about, you know, like especially asking the individuals what they think the scene is doing and how it's going and stuff like that. You get, everyone has their, their own views and their own opinions on like, cause they've also had their own experiences through it too. I mean, you would have your experiences through the fact that you have been a promoter, you have put shows on, so you can kind of see what how the fluctuation goes between shows and who does this and who does what. Yeah. You know, so there's that understanding that comes through in it. And yeah, I guess I guess that really interests me. Just because yeah. from a from a from the outside looking in, like Well there's so many elements to keep track of to kind of look at the health of the scene. And if you're operating within that scene at all, you do have to know what those markers are so yeah i mean the lockout lords did very specific things to our nightlife scene and the knock-on effect of that was actually really curious because it didn't just directly stop shows it stopped other behaviors that limited attendance at shows and Mm -hmm. limited attendance from uh the regular punters who knew all the rules and started attracting other people who were like new to the scene so you had another you had suddenly security issues and this happened across every genre that i know of. oh yeah no i Um, i remember seeing some of the stuff it's particularly bad in in the um edm scene where uh, suddenly there was just a lot of ketamine and cocaine around and and things got dark you know commenced in a commensurate sort of way Mm. and the hip-hop scene which has always had just an unnecessary um aura of violence surrounding it the hip-hop and Curiously, the R&B scene in Brisbane has always had this weird aura of violence, but that 
just all so of it escalated so well. so just so on target or on track with lockout laws and all of the bad behaviors that kind of just fell into place afterwards mm. that's just one of the elements that you know people have to keep track of when they're thinking about the you know the longevity and health of the music scene in brisbane and sydney suffers the mm. same thing and Melbourne is a little bit exempt from it for lockout laws, but they have similar. Uh, they, they've got you know gentrification to worry about, the same as the, the Fortitude Valley has had. So we all yeah. have these similar sorts of anchors to to growth. Yep, it's it's interesting to hear as well, like because you you do you do see different shows and, and different um, different attitudes and stuff like that as well that come out through it. Um, you, you name-dropped, like, EDM and, like, hip-hop and stuff before, and I do remember you telling me that uh, you are also putting on, like, a hip-hop show. So yeah. you, you another interest that you have as well that you yeah, like... Yeah, child involved. of the 90s. I, I don't really... It's it, Music for me is an us-and-them thing, and so, like, good hip-hop is music for us. Good music is music for us. Like Yeah, I mean, if... if why, like I, I guess from from this point of view, like uh, as an artist, why would you release music only for a select person to hear it? Correct. You know, like I I, I don't. I used to be very naive when I got really into metal, obviously, because everyone goes through any sort of... Everyone goes through the elitist phase. Yes, and it doesn't matter if it's just in metal, but, like, metalheads are fucking terrible for it. Oh, yeah, it's because um, we all have to learn, like, Norwegian band names that no one else can pronounce, so as soon as somebody gets it wrong, yeah. you've already got one over them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't even get me started on birds and bullshit. <laughs> I fucking... I, I, I can't understand why people can like that, dude, because, he's one, his recordings are shit, too. He's a fucking neo-Nazi piece of shit. Like, yep. Like, fuck that guy. And, oh, it's just music. Can't you separate it? No, I can't because he's a fuckhead. Like, stop it. If you're if you're listening to Burzum <laughs> back in the day, that there was probably a really good reason for it you know, with all of that stuff still you know, in, in your knowledge. But at this point, like, you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's exactly that. Like, and the stupid stigmas come out of that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. Like... I don't know enough about the lyrical content of these guys, but do you know the rap group that was supposed to do a tour recently? Oh, yeah. it, was all, um, it was all over the websites and I'm stuff. I'm blanking on their name too, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the oh, fellas from Western Suburbs. Mount Druid, they're from. Thank you. Yeah, they're from Mount Druid. I don't, I, I'm drawing a blank on their name. So um, I normally just Google it, but I don't want to pull yeah, that Yeah, no, <laughs> fuck it, whatever. But like it, the, the, the main synopsis of it is that the people above them um, believe that their lyrics are inciting violence and all this bullshit, and they, the AFP essentially stood in and said, "If you play these shows, these to these venues, yep. we're going to review your liquor license." Like, yep. are you fucked in the head? Like, you're like I. Uh, it, That's it, just kind of asking for trouble. It like, is. It is. You are literally stopping someone from playing music. Wasn't that? You don't like what it's they so say. counterintuitive to their any notion that you might want to limit their uh, that, that that group's. You know, exposure or limit yeah. their, their influence. No, you just martyred them yeah. and and made them absolutely cooler. Like I think they're cooler now because yeah. they they took that they took that well. They took mm. it like grown ups. They didn't get shitty about it. They they basically came back and said, "Well, like the the government is is fucking with us, so we're going to go and try a plan B. Mm. We're going to try something else. You'll see us again soon." I think they ended up going over and playing in New Zealand. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if they, they actually went ahead, but I know they were supposed they, to. Yeah. They were allowed to play over there, yeah. like without any fear of having someone lose their fucking job. Yeah, you know, like all their business. Like, I have no fear of of you know criminal musicians. I have fear of criminals. You know, in my personal sphere, and I would you know rather not have to deal with too many of those. Yeah, understandably. But, you know, like again, that's a that's a grey area line of debate about you know morality that'll get into it at, you know at a different time, but. These are just dudes from Mount Druid. Like, I think there's more to it. Like, if I was going to get into it more hectically, I think there's more to it than just the fact that it's the music. Um, oh yeah, and you know, duh. Um, but like, it, it just it's you put someone like that up on a pedestal in in any like you do that by by shunning them like that when they haven't done anything like it's villainizing folk music. Yeah, and. Whether or not their if that whatever their backstories are, like whatever their back history is, their music is not tied to oh, that in that very back, you know, like whatever, whatever it is. David Bowie banged teenagers. I, I don't fuck? know. I don't know. Like I can't, you know, make an argument on what they're like personally or anything like that. But in terms of the story that I've seen in front of me, all I see is that people in suits don't like hearing what they have to say, so they're gonna stop it. You know, that's that's how I see it, like, without even just looking into it. And, like, that's bullshit. Like, why is that not happening to other people that really should have their music stopped, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, we had a... Uh, we once upon a time had a neo-Nazi scene and there wasn't a direct stop to a lot of that. What they ended up... How that ended up being such a small part of our culture is basically being squeezed out, smoked out. Mm. Um Back, uh, it's going back a few years ago now. Um, but the the Southern Cross Hammerskins and Blood and Honor, two of the like the terrorist organizations in the UK and their um, their, their white power organizations that were operating here, and they used to hold a festival, a mini festival. Um, I think it was called Hammerfest. Dude, I know about that. Yeah, yeah I know um, about that. I it's, was it's a fucking shit journalism student uh, who decided it would be a good idea to try and get myself an invite to that because that was the only way you could get to it. I was going to try and do like the sneaky expose thing. Yeah, I yeah. ended up like on the blood and honor forums for a few months, trying to you know infiltrate them, trying to get myself you know in with them. It's all very uncomfortable. One night I ended up just getting drunk and calling them all half casts and spent the next two years getting getting death threats. It was great. Um, just basically called them all too Polish to, to, to be to be Aryan and and, and um, told them all to fuck off. <laughs> but good, <laughs> good, because the, like the fact that there's still like that sort of like one that people still think this way, and yeah. two that they're still able to get away with this underground scene. Yeah, um, that festival didn't survive though. It couldn't. I um, heard like I heard multiple things that it did go ahead. It didn't go ahead. Oh, it went ahead four um, years when yeah. it finally got squeezed I meant out for this yeah, last year or something. Sorry. Uh, I think the last time it was held officially under the name Hammerfest was good five or so years ago now. Okay, because uh, they it was a pri- they could only do it as a private party. They couldn't advertise it um, and sell tickets. Yep. so you had to it was invite only. Uh, they couldn't advertise any of the bands who played. Most of the bands who played um, were violating Australian sedition laws by playing here. Anyone who was brought from overseas couldn't play with a working visa. And somewhere between all of those conditions. Uh, as well as like council restrictions on where they could hold it, all those restrictions basically squeezed them out, and it made it just impossible for them to do it without anybody ever ha- actually having to stop them and be like, "No, you can't hold the skinhead festival." Mm. They, managed to, they managed to do it through pure bureaucracy, like mm. like like getting Capone. Yeah, 
It was Fortress is the band that I'm thinking of. Yeah. It was because I, I, it was some festival down in Melbourne last year that they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, I, that, that's the one that made me think of Hammerfest as well. But I like, don't know I, if they got away with that one. Hammerfest used to be held in Queensland. Okay, right. Yeah, so the one Queensland, I'm thinking of. Queensland, sadly, is a heartland of, of racism in this country. Do you know Toowoomba is, what, uh, is the only place in Australia that's ever had a registered chapter of the Ku Klux Klan? That's insane. No, I didn't know that. But, I mean, that's up out in the, the hinterland. Um, that's probably I'd, I've been up there maybe two or three times in I've my been up life. There a few so times. it's it's a, nice, it's a nice area. Like you wouldn't immediately think you're clan country. <laughs> it doesn't smell like KKK up <laughs> here. Yeah, no, that's that's insane. I do know that Queensland is pretty bad for that sort of shit, though. Yeah. Especially up far north, um, it's kind of bad. Yeah. Um, see, all my friends from far north are the absolute opposite end of the spectrum. So I always kind of it's that's always a bit of a foreign association for me. Like I. All my friends up there are either working in community, you mm. know, um, community organi- organizations, or I have friends who I used to work for the government. I've got friends who work for Department of Communities up there, um, so I get a much more balanced view of the <laughs> of what's going on. Yeah, well, I mean, their yeah. balanced view of it, not yeah. that balanced view of it. Yeah, well, I mean, Queensland's the reason why we have our current people in power. So that's, I mean, that's how I like to view this state. Like, I w- it's like I'm, I'm not technically born in Queensland, so you can all get fucked. I'm actually a New South Welshman, but that doesn't make it any better. Like, it's pretty fucked down there with a lot of things too and the people yep. plower and all that crap. But far north Queensland is that, that, that goddamn Florida up there. Yeah, yeah. I've, it's a bit of a rodeo, I've been told. Yeah. Um, but actually, I have a good, I have, I have a good story from, uh, from back in the day up there. Uh, um, have, do, you, do you know of um, Owsley, the bear? He was the a sound engineer for the Grateful Dead no. way back, way back. No, I, um, the Grateful Dead Festival? No, the Grateful Dead, the band. Oh, okay. No, um, then no. Yep. Uh, Stan, Owsley Stanley III, he was a, um, he was a early sound engineer who created the wall of sound and stereo, uh, stereo sound systems for live festivals, specifically to work with the Grateful Dead. He was also one of the early acid millionaires, so there's some wild fucking stories going around about him he was no shit for, he was supplying ken kesey's acid tests um <laughs> he ended his life living in atherton tableland yeah yep up in far north queensland he ended his life there because somewhere in the i think it was the uh 80s late 70s or 80s he um came to the conclusion that the world was going to end through global warming he just had his timelines way off but yeah. he was he was very specifically concerned that the water levels would rise so much with so much uh, salt water rising through arable land that only table tablelands like Atherton would remain functional. Yeah, you know. I, I know what you mean. So, like where where he was, he wanted to be where he thought it would be, like he would survive essentially. Yeah. yeah. So I found him um, on email when I was fourteen years old. Just I found a Grateful Dead website. Was checking out like. Pendants and stuff, yeah. Um, and it had you know, a, a click to to find other links, and it took you to his personal web page uh, with all of his insane theories, and got to emailing back and forth with him for a while. Um, he ended up convincing my mum to grab an electric fence to cure her Ross River fever. I think I'm gonna have to try acid sometime and write a whole bunch of shit down and see if I can predict it. Uh, other people like, have done it for you, man. You don't need to. 
<laughs> I want to do. I want to see if I can come up with my own predictions and see if I get it right. Jesus He'll Christ, definitely like, be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he was wrong by a few years, but he still had the right idea. Like, because I mean, fuck, how we've been going the last few years. Yeah, you know. So he, he might have just been. He might have just been off a few decades at least. Yeah. But that was one of my formative, you know, educations as a, as a teenager, <laughs> you're emailing back and forth with the bear. <laughs> It just you, and you ha- did you have any idea at that time? That's what he was. That's what he was like, or well, anything. No, I mean it was the fledgling days of the internet, so I was able to look up a little bit about him. But like Wikipedia didn't exist yet or anything, so right, it was yeah. you know so a bit of mythology tied into the real story about Owsley. He was like a pretty famous guy, though. Like you can look him up and find a lot of stuff about him. He once had a his uh, dorm room raided at, at I think it was Berkeley. Uh, university where he had a, a bunch of he had a drug lab in there yeah uh, but because they hadn't made um, analogs of LSD or anything illegal yet he was able to successfully sue the DEA for the return of all of his stuff no shit <laughs> so this yeah. is why yeah, this is why it stuck with me when I was like 14 years old like who the fuck does that <laughs> you guys fucking raided me because they were drugs and I got them back like <laughs> yep all of his equipment everything yep that's great oh, oh. I mean like could you imagine that sort of shit getting away with now? Oh, no, wow. obviously, but just oh man, some there's there's man, I could I could start a podcast about like the history of fucking Brisbane musicians or something. I'm not oh, going yeah. to. I'm already having fun doing this one. <laughs> and another podcast is just insane. I don't think Zane would like me if I started another one. Um, the problem is all these great stories from all these great people also have just the scratch under the surface, really dark undercurrents. It, yeah, yeah. Like there's there's just so much. That, and again, like I said earlier, like this is why I like doing this doing this shit because it's fun to hear and and also insightful to know. What what it was like here, like in in the the earlier years of the Brisbane music scene, and like what it is now, and like yeah. like when you look at it from your point of view now to like say people that experienced it firsthand, like it's completely different, you know. So it it's it's always cool to hear a firsthand account, like, yeah. and I think that's what that's what interests people the most. Like like myself is that like I would never have thought for one that there was. A, you could be a super rich motherfucker of selling acid for one um and also getting in hearing the mindset of thinking that if the world goes to shit i need to go out closer to the like the hotter parts of australia for one and i'm just going to bunker down here like it's weird but like also fuck that's really cool that's a cool story to hear like and there's i feel like there's so many that haven't been touched yet yeah like that it's just like you said before just scratching the surface of yeah i mean australia's got some cooked people like we've got to have (laughs) we really do i met tex perkins on my first day of work at uh, rick's bar way back way back when i was like like 20 years old or something 1920 and I was there at 5 o'clock in the morning for an early shift as a kitchen hand scrubbing dishes and I didn't know who this man was but I had some random guy in leather pants and nothing else just come over you know plant his hands on the table and just start jabbering fucking shit at me in this weirdly aggressive way until the manager's come over and like led him away and politely apologized for Tex and handed me a coffee and said we'll be within 5 minutes it took me a couple of minutes to sit there just looking at this guy like being weird and twitching in the corner like 
And before I note. finally worked out, oh fuck, that's Tex Perkins, and he's just spent the whole night tripping and uh, and, and Ricks because he was in town to play a show last night, <laughs> and that's apparently what he did. That's just what he did when he was in Brisbane. <laughs> he just he's just like spent it. the night just doing drugs with the fucking crew or something, and you know he, at five o'clock in the morning he's just still at Ricks. He's not wearing <laughs> he's a shirt now. They are, they're all just like resign themselves to. Oh, I guess this is just where Tex is. They're just <laughs> this let's is just not let him bother anybody too much. <laughs> Oh look, uh, I I I love like if you're looking after yourself to a, to the best degree you possibly can, I say go for it, have fun, do what you're gonna do. Um, there is a, going too far with it. <laughs> I am never going to encourage anyone to do anything stupid, but if you're already halfway there, oh, I don't I regularly encourage I, people to do stupid things. Like, I don't think you need my encouragement at these points. Like if you're already asking me, like, oh, I'm going to do it, I'm like, you don't need you don't need to keep <laughs> telling me. You're you already made your mind up. Like I'm, if you're asking me to give you that, uh, what is it the the, the sound approach, like the, the sensible approach, yep. I'm, you're not going to listen to me because you're too gone. <laughs> There's <sighs> my, no point me talking or wasting my breath. I, I get basically give, <coughs> I give two pieces of advice depending on, on my mood. Um, one is the sensible piece of advice. It's something my brother said to me years ago and it sort of stuck with me. Um, it was just be the exception because you can, not because you can't. And that, you know, that stuck with me a little yeah. bit. My other piece of advice is just ask the internet and do whatever it says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because you're going to come across too many. There's too much fake news shit now where you can't you can't ask the internet for that sort of shit anymore. <laughs> oh, just don't ask it for don't ask it for information. Just tell ask it to tell you what to do. People oh, always have a suggestion for you. Right. At the very okay. least, you're just going to get somebody say do a flip and like. <laughs> Okay, yeah, no, that's better. That's better. All right, you're gonna get you're gonna get some really wild, wild opinions. That's for sure. Yeah. Look, I've had a stellar of a time, man. This has been pretty kicker. And FYI, like for those listening, like I've actually been recording this by myself for the first time, which is amazing. Thanks, Zane. Um, but it's also really cool to do this for the first time myself. Um, so if it, if there's any issues with quality of sound in any way, don't don't be mad at anyone. Just be mad at me because now all the blame is going to be on me. Now that that's that's it. That's it. So and and I'm just going to tell you I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> you're going if unless it's actually terrible, and then I will say sorry and I'll go and fix it. <laughs> oh, no, nobody, nobody died. You should be fine. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, I had a, I've had an awesome time, man. This has been really good fun. Um, we are going to finish up with the most recent recording that you guys have done with Gaston's and yep. I, and like before this anyway I feel like we could keep on talking like there's still heaps of shit there that I had on my laptop that I could have asked you but just another time, perhaps. Another time yeah yeah we just there's been too much we just kind of got tr- got lost lost track of things and just wanted to know a bit more about other stuff and here we are anyway um, this was done in 2018, it says here. Yep. Um, right at the end of 2018, yeah. 2018, and the song is called Vulnerable. Um, so this one you did have more to do with. Yeah, um, I produced this one with um, Mark Perry um, out at Underground Audio mm-hmm. um, and guested some vocals and and I think that was all I did on this one. Yeah, I, I guessed, guessed some extra vocals and basically production guidance and making sure that they actually got recorded yeah <laughs> but this is one that we can definitely say that you are a part on and we yep. can say that one of the instruments you're playing is you and all that yada yada yep. so um oh, we've got some me, more sorry. stuff coming out really soon but we've got a 
finish getting it all mastered and mixed and everything first. So, and that's always that's always fun. Yeah. Um, no, fantastic, man. I, I mean, I can't wait to hear some more stuff uh, from you guys and more shows. I'm, I obviously can tell that you guys are going to have a fair few shows for the rest of the year. Um, just knowing by the fact that you like to keep busy um, and especially musically as well. And I can, uh, I think from any aspect of life and working or whatever, like if, if, if you're twiddling your thumbs too much, like you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah. 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 So you want to try and do as much as you can. So I could see that happening with, uh, with Gaston's and you guys and stuff, which is awesome. So I can't wait to see more of that. Um, Again, thank you for coming on. I've really had a great time and we want to make sure to check out waste management productions as well as uh, down the track. Once he's released his stuff, meth teeth, Still fantastic fucking name. I'm like, that's uh, name of the year so far, unless someone comes up with anything better, like of that I've heard of this year. Um, obviously, the Gastons as well. Um, and uh, sorry, there was all, one last thing before we go. You were putting on a hip hop show? Yep. Yes. Um, so that's the 15th of February at Fat Louis in Brisbane City. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of local talented boys, uh, Epiphany. Triggs, Vils, uh, Geron, and Megalodon. So it's actually a pretty stacked lineup for anyone who knows their local uh, hip hop. And yes, one strict, strictly for the heads. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, not something that I know enough about myself because I don't really like. I don't see a lot of hip hop flyers. I don't see a lot of hip hop shows it around and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Stuck that, in Brisbane. Yeah. Then I mean, that's also interesting. Maybe you can help kind of bump that up a little bit now too for twenty twenty. Sorry? It's kind of the plan, yeah. Yeah, fantastic, man. So, all right. So that's also another one. Is uh, uh, Did we cover everything else? Um, was there anything else that you were doing? Just trying to remember here before we uh, play uh, your song. Got Molly yeah. and the Krells shows. Ah, Molly and the Krells, yes. I said it right this time yep. too. Fuck, finally. And they took, what, an hour and a bit? Yeah, Molly and the Krells in um, February. We've also got a show coming up 14th of February with Molly and the Krells at Tomcat in Brisbane. That one will be announced this weekend. Okay, yeah. Um, as the uh, Hope Drone... Uh, um, Mountain Wizard Death Cult Astro Death and Empress Show in April that's uh, Thursday night directly before um, Good Friday so we're yep. expecting everyone to get good and drunk nice yeah I can see that happening and some more stuff coming I can hear like you might be able to hear it because you haven't got the headphones on but can you hear like the, the shaking and the echoing outside the window right now yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a stab that's either at the zoo or it's at the Brightside which will be Terror and Malevolence playing right now so I think it's obituary at um Yeah, oh that's on the other side though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's across the, the, the strip, whereas um Warner Street's just down there. Yep. So I'm gonna say right now, what's the time? This is so stupid. <laughs> We're supposed to be playing your song. Um it's what nine forty eight. Yeah, so either Terra's about to go on or Malevolence is just finishing because I looked at their timetable thing or whatever earlier cool, today. I'll try to sneak in. <laughs> try to anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, now we're gonna jam vulnerable. Um thanks again, man, for coming on. Uh keep an eye out for these guys for the rest of twenty twenty and have yourselves a wonderful day and or night. I'll catch you guys next time, eh?
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.